Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. Um, I've got a very special thing to announce this week for our listeners. An all-new guest to our podcast, I'm happy to introduce Peter Brown, a self-described sound guy who is the supervising sound editor of the blockbuster movie Fast X. Why don't you say hi to the people, Peter? Hello, everybody. For our listeners, I want to just explain that this is the guy behind all of the bone-rattling noises in the engines, explosions, punches, and everything in between in this movie. The whispered, so the whispered sweet nothings. He's responsible for those two. Yeah, everything. All the welcome, Peter. Of- we are so pumped to have you on this week's episode. <laughs> well, thank you so much. What an intro. <laughs> ben, why don't you take it away? I know you've got so many things uh, you've got to ask Peter, and we actually... We had a little bit of a preamble before the podcast even started recording, and uh, I think we need to dive right back into that. Sure. I I, I mean, I, I do have a lot of questions. I want to give a little bit more background on Peter. He's been the sound guy, quote unquote, for pretty much the entire franchise since Tokyo Drift. And uh, apart from that, he's worked on many, many movies and television shows that everyone out there listening has seen or heard or at least walked by uh, playing somewhere. It, it is, he's quite prolific. Um Peter, how did you get started with the Fast and Furious franchise? I noticed you came in at the same time that director Justin Lin came in. Is that a coincidence or do you do you often collaborate? The story goes back a little ways uh, to a Disney film called Annapolis. Okay. Back in the early years of Bitter Struggle, uh, I worked at a sound shop at the same time a young picture editor named Fred Raskin are in a picture team and they did a lot of the shows that we did and that relationship turned into Fred calling me up to join Annapolis, which was Justin's first uh, big feature break after Better Luck Tomorrow. And we had such a good time working on that show. I remember one day around one of the final days of mixing Annapolis, Justin came in and he was like, oh, things are really exciting. I've got three offers for films that are coming up. You know, what should I do? And this one and there's this one and there's Fast and Furious. And I broke character and blurted out, oh, you've got to do Fast and Furious. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And that, uh, if it had any effect on his decision, has haunted me ever since. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's haunted you for more than a decade at this point, I would say. It was a a good turn of events. And yes, Justin drug me along that next adventure, which lasted, you know, three, five, six, nine with Justin. So how have things changed over – because the franchise itself has gotten much, much larger since the third movie. And did that change anything about how you worked or your process or maybe the expectations around your work while you were getting it – while you were kind of developing alongside the movies? Um, in terms of the nuts and bolts of what we do, I would say things haven't really changed for this show in in any way that's different than – the industry has evolved in general. Okay. You know, we're still using a lot of the same techniques. I would say specific to this franchise, the biggest thing that has changed is that each one needs to I think on some level, we expect a sequel to top or better or just do something more outrageous than the previous one did. And that leads to all kinds of problems and challenges. <laughs> I think in the screenwriting department, 
But for sound, I think what it means is we try to make every car, the sound of every car as organic as the car represented on screen and also as as powerful uh, and as interesting as the person who's driving them. They're like little extensions of the character of Han or Dom or whoever's driving the car. We want to get the sound of an engine that's just right. And when you top each one, it means that your your cars have to get more and more amazing, mm. which that's a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> We've recorded some pretty amazing cars. Do you have like, a, I'm assuming, it's really interesting that you, you mentioned that this, the sounds of the cars aren't just tied to the cars themselves, but to the, the people who are driving them. Do you, do you have kind of like a, an encyclopedia uh, or a database of sounds that you mix together that that have to reflect what the car realistically sounds like, but also the emotional aspect of the of the driver. Like, do you have you been keeping track throughout the entire franchise to kind of build on that, or is it something that comes up like on a movie per movie basis? Because the cars are always changing. I, I mean, for some some of the characters, the cars are always changing. Right, it's a movie movie to movie type of thing. The cars always are always changing, so you're always trying to do a better job than you did last time, find a new car, record it better, get a better day, get a, a, a better location. You just, you always want to top things. So it is a creative medium. Everything is very subjective. So there's not really anything like a rule book, mm. except, you know, we have our own kind of internal rule books that allow us to make, uh, you know, little creative artistic license to do wrong sometimes because of a character moment <laughs> like in fast fast seven for example yeah when paul uh brian pulls up next to dom at the end in his supra you know we cut it with the right car and then kind of in the 11th hour we we're sort of like you know what why don't we we should switch to the iconic sound fast one and use that super sound because you know it's a weird bookend on life and participation in so that was a character choice. I don't think you probably hear any of it because that song is playing. But <laughs> those are the types of odd decisions during the editing and mixing process. Now, I know that most of the cars uh, from the stunt side of things, they're all powered by the same kind of LS V8 engine just for simplicities and, and, and parts availability purposes. And so I would assume that in many cases, what you're, ca what you're capturing sound-wise on the scene, on the set, is not what we're actually hearing in the theater. And how, what are the logistics of, of making sure that you capture a performance that, that feels live, that feels raw, even if you're having to not simulate, but overlay the actual engine sound of whatever vehicle we're looking at? It's usually not an issue because most of the driving that you would see in the film is not mic'd at all. Okay. The second unit that goes out on these features and does the big action sequences, they generally don't have a second unit sound recordist. Huh. And so much of the sound, you know, so much of what they're capturing out there is a clip, and there's a lot of uh, noise of hydraulics, smoke machines, pneumatic cannons firing cars into the air. It's a lot of noise, noise of the set. It allows the second unit to work faster they don't have to wait for sound and we're just going to replace it all anyway so now, what, what you know you're, you're talking just now about uh, all the the pneumatic cannons 
cars flying through the air, crazy superhero stuff that's going on on set. What's the most challenging aspect of editing sound in a movie like this one, where everything is essentially pumped up to 11 all the time? Like, I, I know normally when you're when you're mixing sound, you have so many different frequencies that have to play nice together, and you don't want everything to be the top of the crescendo. But when the action on the screen is just one crescendo after another what is what's the secret to making sure you don't blow the ears out of the audience and that you're actually conveying excitement instead of kind of just bludgeoning them to death Sammy, you might want to chime in here since saw this film very recently (laughs) (laughs) did we achieve any of those high lofty goals that ben was talking about (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I was watching the movie and I think the noise just like, it's not overwhelming. It really does like, it immerses you so much in what's going on. And it's so funny because, you know, to be blunt, the movie can be very, um, you know, very fantastical in a, in a way in terms of what's going on, on on screen. But like when all of those noises and all of those sound effects and, and even the visual effects are coming together, um, you're just into it. It's It's crazy. Yeah, I think the films are very, very loud, <laughs> and there it's very. We work very hard in the mix to find a way to carve out a few frames of silence before a big explosion. Our biggest challenges is that these films are, you know, huge music celebrations as they are car celebrations. So it's kind of wall-to-wall music from the beginning of the movie to the end. So you have to share real estate with the music and especially in this particular installment it's almost wall-to-wall dialogue people are constantly talking whether and you know whether or not their car is flipping and burning or just sitting on an airplane they're constantly talking so we've got dialogue the music and the sound effects all trying to do the same job at once tell the story the notes are almost always you make that louder yeah, it's like every, all of a sudden everyone is the bass player in the band who wants to hear themselves in the monitor, right? And they they just like, oh, just make it a little louder, just make it a little louder. And um, what what's what's your favorite thing to make loud in these movies? Like, what what's the sound? What's what's the sound sweet spot for you when you're mixing a crazy action movie like this one? Mm, it's such a it's a gestalt. It's a it's a moment you're going for. It's not like I particularly have a a favorite down i do like tire bounces so like the ping sound of like a fully inflated tire bouncing down down the road like in fast seven when they jumped from one building to another car eventually falls off of this skyscraper yeah and lands on the ground and then you know in the 11th hour a visual effect of a tire coming down and bouncing in the (laughs) foreground showed up (laughs) oh a huge tire having fallen from 36 stories up, hitting the ground. I got this. Yeah. What, what does that sound like? <laughs> well, when we were recording for that, you know, some car for that, I remember noticing Teamster had a, a big spare tire on his truck and was like, hey, can we borrow that for a little bit? And we just bounced that around, trying not to kill ourselves because <laughs> a single tire to w- bounce wildly can do some really odd things. But... <laughs> No lives were lost during the recording of that. And it was That's just, great. <laughs> it was the perfect sound for that moment because we recorded it clean and a tire and it bounces all on its own, has its own kind of internal ring off. Mm. 
and it's just a cool sound. It's a rare sound, but on on what film, if you've recorded that, are you possibly going to get a chance to <laughs> record a single tire bouncing? And well, in a reg- and in a, a, mo- up. A, a an almost quiet moment too, right? Like that sound gets to be the star of those few seconds when it's on screen. Exactly. Yeah, I, I love those moments when you're just you know it's serendipity. Something random comes up and you were <laughs> randomly prepared because you've worked on you know seven of these films, so you may have it somewhere in your. So, so, like, how how do you work directly? It, it, the way you just spoke, it sounds kind of like you work directly with the Foley artists who are charged with making bunches of weird individual sounds. Like, at this point, you must have a full library of everything that could possibly happen to a car on a on a screen. You have a sound for that that you can apply to to the action. Yes, and to a large extent, every sound editor does. Okay. There are so many great libraries out there and anybody who's been cutting for a while, you know, tends to kind of accumulate. So I think having the sounds to do a film like this, just on a very basic level of color by numbers, car accelerates, put in a sound of accelerating car here is pretty readily accessible. I think what I'm hoping that we do special is to find the very best sounds very best choices, the clear, cleanest choices or things that are just right for this particular moment. Because, you know, a car accelerating away is, that might be the description in the sound library. But as you car folks know, there's a thousand different ways that a car can accelerate away. Yeah, It can do everything right and it can hum. It can do everything right, but with a bad muffler. It can do everything right on seven cylinders running. It can bog down. You know, there's so many different nuances to what a car is doing. And so if, a, you know, a character takes off who's a bad guy or it's been undefeated or, or, or I mean, is uh, someone who's a bad guy or you want to make look silly, you can make their car sound silly taking off like it's underpowered or there's something wrong with it or it's just so many little character moments that you can do sound that are invisible hopefully to the audience but they come away i think uh having enjoyed themselves instead of saying that was ridiculous that was so stupid (laughs) none of that stuff could have happened you come away saying none of that stuff could have happened but i had a good time watching all that because i was as you said immersed in it just in the moment for you know two hours of my life eat popcorn and have a blast I mean, what what you get to do is is both undermine and enhance whatever is being seen on the screen, right? Like you have that power as as sound designer to 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 give to create those character moments, to create that tension, to release that tension. Um, how how tightly do do you work with the director on that? Is it? I mean, obviously, Lynn bowed out of this film, but you guys must have developed so much trust up to this point where he you you kind of knew what the other was going to be doing and what the other wanted and when when the new director came on to this movie did you have to reestablish that trust or was it kind of uh i know that you're the expert at this and and i give you free reign kind of thing yeah we we will present you know you never knew when the when the regime change occurred you never know what's going to happen the new <clears throat> when that happens a director can come in and clean house and say yes i'll do this impossible task that you've hired me to do but I, you know i need to have my people in order to do it yeah and to his credit from my perspective he kept the whole team 
uh, both picture and sound wise. Okay. And was very respectful of, of what we did and super appreciative. And when we, you know, from the very start, when we started doing a temp dub with him in October, it was, it was just a really, he, he came into something and, and just did it effortlessly and really beautifully. He's just, Louis a really, a really great guy and knows how, how teams work and how stuff gets done. And his job was pretty much impossible. So I don't think he, you know, wanted to make a zillion waves, but he really made it easy. Yeah. As, as, uh, March rolled around and we started to get into the final mix, he would, you know, really be there every day focusing on sound and that's where he would insert his particular you know perspective on things which he did you know consistently uh, throughout the process so we we were there to kind of i think keep the, the the thing grounded in the roots of how it's been done in the past and louis brought his own spin to it and it all went off i would say remarkably well mm-hmm. Uh, one one final question for you, Peter, and it kind of ties into what you said uh, the roots the roots of the series. When you were doing a uh, when you stepped onto that set or into that editing suite for the to, to do Tokyo Drift, and you were cutting a movie uh, where it was a bunch of high school kids who were you know drifting through the mountains. Did you ever one day think you would be looking for the sound of what a car might sound like if it was launched into space? Like, did you have <laughs> yeah. did you have any inkling that the series would go in that direction? That's why I got into this business. <laughs> <laughs> I just want cars that drive on streets, not space Fieras. I mean, it's a natural I didn't progression. Really, of course, I didn't really look at it like that, but I, I sort of felt like when I got out of film school, if I wanted to, you know, the types of films that that would showcase or ask a lot of the things that I was interested in sound were. War movies, car movies, and space movies. Nice. Cool. So having you, a war with a car in space is just pretty much <laughs> perfect. Seals the deal. <laughs> and and you've, you've got to do so many of these of those genres. I mean, you've done a Star Trek movie. You've done a Terminator movie. You've done the Fast and Furious franchise. I'd say you're, you're kind of Flight of the Phoenix for, for the more traditional war type of film. You, you've really got to live out your dream. It's going pretty good so far. <laughs> And yet you somehow still ended up on our podcast, um, yeah. which I which I hope wasn't too much of a speed bump um, <laughs> in your career. I know Sammy's seen the movie. I haven't had a chance to yet, but I am looking forward to it. Uh, another notch on my Fast and Furious belt. Sammy, any questions from the film? No, I mean, I loved it. I think uh, I'm, I'm still kind of like buzzing from from watching it. It was it was so exciting. And I really think uh, what you achieved, especially in terms of how you described the the vehicles are an extension of the characters. I'm kind of like building on that. I'm kind of like realizing just how much that means. And I think that's something I'm going to be paying attention to in, in a rewatch of all the movies again. Well, can I ask you guys a question? Of course. Because you probably know more about cars than I will ever know. Uh, how how do you interact with the car sounds in the films? Or do we do a okay job? Do we suck? Do we... I- I, I, in terms of like interacting with them for the, you know, I think it goes, I think it goes in two directions. There's the, there's the people who are listening to how many times the car is revving and shifting in a, in a 10 second race (laughs) and who are rolling their eyes at that. And then there's the people who are loving the sound of a big block V8 at full throttle. 
and how that switches up when all of a sudden we have like a Ford Escort RS on the screen or we have a, um, uh, and it, you know, going back to the first movie where you had like rotary engines, these these motors, in addition to the characters having their own personalities, so many of these cars have an, a, a, an audio personality that that is unique. And I feel like the franchise does a really good job. And I mean, obviously, when I say the franchise, I mean you, by extension, uh, <laughs> by making this possible, have done a really good job of capturing that. When, when I watch a Fast and the Furious movie, I'm not going to hear, you know, two hours of generic V8 sounds. I'm not going to look at a car and think that doesn't sound anything like that car actually sounds like because that can really take an enthusiast out of a movie. You know, that's something you'd expect from like a, a sci-fi channel type uh, budget. But um, it's never really been an, an issue with Fast and Furious. I feel like. I, the sounds, the only, it's funny because you will, I realize this is a really long answer to this question, but <laughs> there, you got there's, there's a, there's a movie recently that I saw that I don't believe you were involved in somehow. I mean, this, this one got past you, but uh, the most recent Batman movie, which was totally, oh, yeah. which was totally fine. There's a scene in that, in that film. I'm not sure if you've seen it or not, where they introduce the Batmobile. Where the Batmobile starts up. Yes. That is one of the coolest pieces of sound design I've ever heard in a movie at least in the last 10 years. And what I loved about that scene was everybody in the scene stopped what they were doing and turned around to look at the sound they were hearing <laughs> coming out of an alley. And it was a crazy sound. It was an am- amalgamation of so many different mechanical noises you could hear from a car. And I think that that one scene in Batman, if you look at the entire Fast and Furious franchise, we're getting that in every movie. Like yeah. that, that level of cutting through the noise of how visceral and attention grabbing and and alive an automobile can sound. And I'm so surprised to hear it in Batman, but I'm I take it for granted when I watch one of your movies. Nice. That sound job, by the way, was done by Will Files and his awesome sound team. Cool. And that that is a really great moment. Sammy, do you? I know Sammy's been sending me texts uh, in the middle of the night as he processes <laughs> the film. You, do you have any more questions uh, about the the current movie, Sammy? No questions. I just want to I want to follow up on that answer a little bit because I was watching when I was watching the 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 latest movie Fast X. There's um, a couple of sequences where the main character Dom is driving a a Hellcat Charger, and the and Ben, you know this. Anytime you're driving a, a Hellcat powered vehicle, the one thing that really stands out more than even the engine noise is the supercharger whine. And in the in these sequences, you hear that whine so prominently, and it just made me like smile and just <laughs> feel like they got this right. They got this sound right. They got the feeling of being in the car perfect. And I thought uh, you guys deserve you you especially deserve some credit for that. Sammy, thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> that was hard to do. I ima- I can imagine so. It's uh, it's like uh, it's a very isolated noise, isn't it? Yes, and we had we had an old, uh, an entire pre-dub on the film dedicated just to that supercharger. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wow. To be able to turn it up or turn it down because okay. you know, when you go out and you record one of those cars, the supercharger could be everywhere. It could be more than you want it. So Yeah it's too much you have to you have to have microphones all over the car to be able to switch so if it gets to be too loud you can just go with the tailpipe microphones stereo microphones that are far away but if you want to dial it up for a certain moment then you can go to the engine mic or the specific mic that we had right on the supercharger to get that sound and it's hard to record you know a good clean sound in a car that's flying around this way and that way and underneath a hood where it's god knows how many degrees mm-hmm. trying to keep everything from melting together 
And, and how many cars do you have to get individual sounds for like that? How many sequences require that level of detail where you can't reach into a library, but you have to actually, you know, this is a vehicle that is unique enough that it's it's going to be hard to find the sounds that you want outside of the context that, of what's being shot. I try to do it with every car in the movie. Okay. Cer- certainly every car that, uh, that Dominic Toretto drives or that Letty drives or Han, you know, one of the characters. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can do it. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes we cheat. You know, getting a Koenigsegg was super hard mm-hmm. <laughs> in seven. That was that was a real challenge. Getting I can imagine. The, uh, what was it? Iron, or no, the Noble 500 that uh, Helen Mirren drives, that Queenie drives in Fast 9 was really difficult. I ended up, I try to record all these myself, but that was first times when I uh, sourced it out. Basically thought the world was ending. This was around <laughs> oh, no. March 13th, 2020, and I'm asking these guys in England that I don't know to go out to an airfield somewhere <laughs> in the north of England in the rain and and drive a car around when this plague is enveloping the earth. And they did a great job and pulled it off. But there's, you know, there's often a lot of logistics and as I said at the beginning, it's harder and harder to top what you've done before. So, you know, a lot of that has to do with horsepower. If I had a 500 horsepower version in the last film, I might want, and it's the same car, I might want to try to get a thousand horsepower version or something, or somebody's really, you know, redone the exhaust or hand built mm-hmm. the engine. And finding those folks is, you know, getting harder and harder. So if you guys out there ever <laughs> come across any truly unique cars, car sounds and you feel like they should be recorded keep my number i will there you go i will keep that in mind i think you've got a deal don't worry i think between us and the listeners our podcast listeners have some pretty wild cars out there so i think so much great stuff out there it's incredible stuff i just don't know how to get in touch with the world (laughs) all right Um, Peter, one last, last question. I realize I've done this to you twice now. Uh, there's, there's something I've always wondered, and, and you got me thinking about it when you were talking about the car's sounds matching the personality of the drivers. So I know that back when they were, when they were shooting Jaws, um, they wanted sounds for the shark, and obviously sharks don't necessarily make sounds. So they started taking, like, lion roars and other animal, other predators and sounds and, and kind of merging them together until they would create a sound that was ominous enough that they could play alongside the, 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 the main evil shark in the film. Um, when you're sweetening sounds for characters, what, what's your go-to to kind of match the sound of the car to, to what the person is like in the film? Um, it's usually, it's usually car stuff. Okay. You know, stuff that, the engine does and then overlaying uh sounds that we might call design effects things that don't necessarily exist in the real world what you might put in there might be low end subwoofer sounds things for ominous moments but in this particular film in 10 louis really came in and wanted wanted animal sounds which really i think at first we thought was a little um, a little bit of a throwback. It sort of seemed like a lot of that material had been explored and 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 used a lot in the but in the eighties and nineties, you know, mm. lion growl in a fireball 
too, but Louis, Louis was really into it. So you will hear in Fast 10 uh, an entire menagerie of animals. Wow. The most you know, specific cues is decided Dante was kind of a snake. So you will hear rattlesnake sounds and snake hisses. Uh, most prominent one might be when he goes and kidnaps. Oh, spoiler alert. Kidnaps. <laughs> uh, little B. And for Dom, it was a lion. So you will hear uh, lion sounds here and there. And then a, an awful lot of pig squealing occurred in fireballs and big explosions. Wow. Interesting. Dinosaurs, some whales. Huh. If you wanted to kind of match each character to animal, they're really only appropriate in a sort of one-to-one way to do with the main hero and the main villain. Mm. That's but fun, though. All Wild. kinds of weird stuff in there to sweeten things, make them stand out, have some emotional weight. So in addition to your car sounding, if you have unique car sounds, if you have a unique pet that makes an unbelievable sound, you should probably call me. <laughs> but don't, but don't call in the middle of the night with a unique pet sound. I think that would be, off, <laughs> that would be off putting even for a professional. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's te- Sammy's texts are off putting enough. I wouldn't want him to be suddenly sending you um, pig squeals or something that he claims is a pig squeal uh, <laughs> past, past midnight. Um, Awesome. Peter, that's that's amazing, man. I, I've never I've never been so like I've been I'm I'm so happy to peek behind the curtain at how the this aspect of the movie has been um, developed and created, and I'm just so happy that you're one. You're easy to talk to about all these things. I think that's one of the most exciting things about it. Sometimes people want to keep all their secrets to themselves. So I think our listeners really appreciate you sharing all of these details because the movie is wild. It really is. It makes sense that there's all these animals uh, in the soundtrack somewhere. Um, so I, I think they had a lot of fun. So thank you for coming and chatting with us. I really appreciate it. And I think you're going to get, um, you're going to get some responses about people with unique sounding cars. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. I work for the fans, so I'll <laughs> take all the help I can get. Awesome. So if you have any weird noises that you want to send Peter's way, or I mean, Animal noises or car noises, unique car noises. I think we're going to draw the line at that, Sammy. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I don't think you should just challenge our listeners to send weird car, weird noise, any weird noise. Yeah, to our, to there's too guests. much out there in the world. It would we be want like... to come back, people. I think that's the main concern. I'd love them to come back. That's my number one uh, desire here. But if you start sending them some weird noises that you picked up, this is what my pen sounds inside of a, a glass jar when I throw it off my bed into the wall. That's as weird as things get for you in your mind. Like that's where you went right away. (laughs) In terms of noises. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, But if you want to send us a weird noise that we can send to Peter, we can definitely do that. There's a few ways you can reach out to us. You can send Sammy a weird noise on Twitter. He's at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. You can send weird noises to me on Instagram at hunting Benjamin, or you can email me the old fashioned way, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Make sure the files aren't the noise files aren't too big if you're emailing them because you know email's not the best at that kind of thing. You can also describe the weird noise on the contact form on our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. You just click submit and we will read that description of the weird noise. If the weird noise takes the form of a question, that's even better. 
Uh, on our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, you can also find all of the places where you can get in touch with um, other episodes. If you want to listen to all 300 that we have up there, you can do it right from the website. Or you can go to Spotify, Amazon, um, Apple, Google, all the good stuff where all the podcasts live. You can find us. Sammy, what are we going to be talking about next week? Uh, next week, I've got to talk about this um, Toyota Grand Highlander. The, uh, the whole internet is a buzz with this thing. and I went all the way to Hawaii to drive it. And uh, I've got some I've got some thoughts that I need to share with you. Sammy, were there no Highlanders? There were there no Grand Highlanders on the mainland? No, I guess not. I don't okay. know. I'm just curious. I just, I just want to, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to make it I, make sense. I agree. It didn't make much sense to send me there or a bunch of Grand Highlanders there. They're not made in in Hawaii or anything. They're not native species, is what you're saying. Exactly. An invasive so, species. Do you have an invasive species? Uh, I have a Lexus that I want to talk about. The, uh, oh, wow. We've got another Toyota-themed... Another Toyota-themed episode. I know people yeah. tune in for those. Um, but I have interesting things to say about it. So does that help balance things out a little bit? Of course. I have, Are you suggesting I won't have anything interesting well, about seem, the Grand seem, Highlander? You seem kind of down about the... You know, you said Grand almost like it was an irony rather than a descriptor. <laughs> no, it's definitely a descriptor. I don't know what we're going to call the, the Minor Highlander or Highlander Junior or Highlander Mini. I like, or... I like Highlander Junior. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like Highlander 1.0 and Highlander 2.0. I don't know. I know. I don't know why they called it the Grand Highlander. But anyways, we'll talk about that next week. All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening. See ya.